This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so how's it going? It's going great. How are you? It's going well. Um, I'm on muscle relaxers. And Same. I'm drooling a little bit as I talk. So, you know, after I made fun of you for throwing your back out, picking up chips two weeks ago, God got me back. Yes, he did. <laughs> I put in a special request for that. So. Hey, I'm just glad you prayed again. <laughs> I'm just glad I prayed and I wasn't immediately struck dead. <laughs> so other than that, how's your week been? I mean, it, yeah, it's been pretty good. It's only Monday, so anything could happen. <laughs> That's true. We're recording at a weird time because Father's Day fucked both of our schedules over. Yeah, totally. And also, like I told you, my dad's hot water heater is broken. Well, and Sarah heard that, so she one-upped it and broke our kitchen faucet. Right. So. <laughs> and so I, I've had, like, the showering parade in here. Like, people just come in my house, they shower, and then they leave. And I'm like... Gotta love it. I, I guess I've opened a hostel. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of those capsule motels, like in Japan? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So, How about you? Well, like I said, uh, Sarah broke the kitchen sink and I yeah. threw my back out. But And you broke your back. And so, like, I have my MRI on Friday for my back. So, But I'm getting my hair did tomorrow. Now, that's really nice. Yes. They're, we're finally jealous. getting to that shade of white that I wanted. It's just nice. taking a long time. Um, mm-hmm. cause, because I never dye my hair. Uh, my whole scalp scabbed over. <laughs> Whenever I got it bleached, because I had to do two that one day. and Like my, a double process. Yeah. yeah. And my hair was like, nope, peace out. So I had to wait some time. I would not know what that's like. My scalp is like, go on, girl. Do your thing. <laughs> and I mean, I told you this last time, but like my roots have grown out so much that you can see it. Like it's ridiculous. So welcome to Vanity Hour with Paul. Hey. Oh, also, I'm Aaron. Welcome to Lifetime Sentence. Oh, That's hey. the actual name of the show. I don't know that we've done that in a long time, to be honest. <laughs> also, last week, we didn't even tell anyone to eat their vegetables or charge their phones. So I hope everyone's phone is charged. If not, they're not listening to this. Because without us, what if would they do? We have no, no downloads this week. It's because we didn't tell them to charge their phones. It's phone. our own damn fault. We should know better. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um. So let's talk about how... I thought I was going to have the world's easiest week this week because I told Sarah, I was like, I just have to watch a movie and an episode of Big Little Lies. That is so easy. It still took less time than whenever I do my research for notes. But damn, it is hard to watch and take notes at the same time. And I would like to formally apologize to you. Thank you. For all this shit I've talked about you behind your back. Oh. (laughs) Now I'm a little hurt. Oh, gosh. I had a, a great, super easy week. This was a breeze. Right. It was not difficult at all. And it's like one of my favorite. In fact, the worst part was me like paring it down. Right. So that I'm not just talking for nine hours about Princess Diana because I could and I would. I understand. Um I also tried like the one thing I did. I was like, I'm going to watch this movie just so I can see like what they're talking about. And I got 14 minutes and 30 seconds into it. And I was like, fuck this. I'm no, out. <laughs> uh-uh. In fact, this is the kind of shit I like to talk about. And after we get 
to like your part if you don't talk about these specific podcasts i want to talk about remind me i also wrote it in my notes here yeah i don't Uh, have any podcasts okay good all right so you ready to talk about this thing yeah this week we switcherooed yeah i get to go first you do get to go first which i don't know it feels like a lot of pressure but then i just get to sit back for the second half uh, it's true. <laughs> All right. And so, I get to drink my wine during the first half. So the second half is going to be a wild card, guys. Buckle up. So usually I tell my story and then I drink my wine during the second half. Yeah. That's why I'm with water tonight, not alcohol. Because <laughs> I could not try to deal with all that while going. Um. All right. So this week we watched, I watched, weird. I watched The Murder of Princess Diana. Um. It premiered. August 25th, 2007. Mm-hmm. And um, it stars Jennifer Morrison, who mm-hmm. I spent the first third of the movie going, this woman looks so fucking familiar. Well, I she, know where she's from. She was in House, <laughs> which I did not watch. Mm-hmm. But she's also Emma Swan in Once Upon a Time, which I did watch. Yes. And uh, she also played Zoe, one of um, Ted Mosby's girlfriends on How I Met Your Mother. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I spent the whole time thinking like, this woman is hot and I think of her in leather and I couldn't figure out why I thought of her in leather, but in once upon a time, oh, she has that rad leather her. jacket the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's much more intense than the character in this movie. She's like incredibly beautiful. She's yes. like one of those people you could just like get lost staring at her face. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it also starred a French name, which I had Sarah come pronounce for me and I still can't do it. So cool. Um, his name is Gregory Deranger. Um, and he is a French actor who's been in nothing. Like, he's been in almost no American movies. It's all French stuff. So, sure. Um, and then. I don't keep up with French cinema. So, right, right. I mean, you're just so busy with, you know, Chinese, Japanese, oh, American, totally. Russian. And The Bachelorette. And the, well, duh. That's a religion in its own. Yeah. It's literally on my TV behind me right now. I see that. <laughs> um, and then it also starred Kevin McNally who played Gibbs in Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Um, and he brings us our special Pornhub or TV. Yay! I was wondering if you were going to do one. Yes. I also have an edit of the week. Oh my God. I'm so proud. Right. I was channeling my inner Aaron. Aw. So he it's was fun being me, isn't it? on a show. It is. It's a lot of work. Like, I don't know how you do it. You oh, make it look you. easy. <laughs> um, he was on a show called Bottom where he played a sex shop worker. (laughs) I need more information. (laughs) Nope, that's all you get. What did he do in the sex shop? Worked. Working, girl! Did he work or did he work? (laughs) There's a difference. Oh my god. That's amazing. So Bottom is actually a BBC comedy. Okay. Oh, okay. Where it's two guys who are kind of like the odd couple. They're the dregs of society. Mm-hmm. And so they're the bottom of the heap is where this title oh, comes from. sure. And one is like this 40-year-old virgin kind of character who can't figure out that women don't want to sleep with him. And so it's a lot of like sexual innuendo jokes and um, sure. So anyway, I did a little bit of research, but like none of them had anything really great. And then I saw that and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> that's amazing. That's a good one. All right. So sometimes it's a stretch. But... Yes. So the movie opens with the following statement on the screen. 
The following mm-hmm. film is a fictional account depicting real and fictional characters and events inspired by the theories presented in the book, The Murder of Princess Diana by Noel Botham. Any similarity be- that book is garbage. Any similarity between fictitious and actual persons is coincidental and not intentional. And that's where I laugh because I- it's a movie about real people. <laughs> So is it not supposed to be similar to Princess Diana? I don't know. Very confused. <laughs> also, What's happening? in that opening, what do you call it? The opening Chiron? Yeah. In the opening Chiron, they put the title of the book in quotation marks and not italicies. Uh, and we had some issues with that. Hmm. Um, lifetime, get it together. We most certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> The movie opens with this really scary music and like a staticky screen, like whenever you used to put a VCR in. And then it cut to old footage of Princess Diana on her humanitarian missions. Okay. But on top of all this, like the scary music and the like scenes of children being happy and her like out in the wilderness, um, is her interview where she was frightened that there was a, a royal plot to kill her oh sure yeah mm-hmm. and so um the, you know there's just like all this clash of information hitting you all at once and then the interview turns off because our good friend jennifer morrison um who i'm going to call emma for a while because they don't say her name until 17 minutes into the movie excellent i love <laughs> it when they do that um so emma turns off the tv Mm-hmm. and um starts working through what looks like a piece of like journalism reporting um like it looks like some kind of article for something oh sure so then she gets an email on the world's oldest email inbox you got is, mail yeah it's 2007 <laughs> like gmail was starting up in 2007 but it's not 2007 Oh, that's right, because it's film. Sorry, it did open. We're saying it's August 1997. The movie was in 2007. August 1997. Okay, so we were all on American Online. Yeah. Juno. Uh, the free disc that you would get. Yes. Like 20 free hours. Um, Kids, the internet used to be real expensive. It, in fact, it did not tell us that it's August 1997 until after I wrote this stuff down, because I wrote where they told us the date finally, which oh. I should have known because it was about Princess Diana. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so she just gets an email that says Ritz Paris. And she's definitely not weirded out by just an email that says Ritz Paris. Uh, so she. Well, I would be freaked out depending on whether or not there was like a plane ticket and right. a reservation attached to it. Right. No, uh-uh. it's just those two words in all caps. If you're going to send me like a first class ticket and a reservation, then I'm not going to be worded out at all. I'm just going to bounce my ass on the plane. <laughs> so she runs into her editor's office and begs to go to Paris because that's where princess Diana is headed. And then it shows us that the film is set in August, 1997. Mm-hmm. And she is the only American working at this newspaper office in London. So already it's bizarre that she's like gone to her editor and she's like, Hey, I'm going to go to Paris. K thanks. Bye. Is that like something you can do when you work for a newspaper? I, well, apparently she can. Cause I talk about it a couple of times in my notes. Like she gets some kind of special treatment. I just... um, so they, and then it flashes to the pre, uh, Paris police department being briefed mm-hmm. on how to protect Diana. And it, 
and then like how to keep the paparazzi away and so immediately after the guy is like make sure the paparazzi are nowhere to be seen it flashes to the paparazzi flooding the airport where she's landed of course and i'm like well of course they didn't keep like do their job because they're all in this meeting yeah well that's (laughs) like okay step one don't let the drunk guy drive her around step two keep the paparazzi away right they failed on both accounts (laughs) um so um it keeps flashing between like the police briefing and um things that are happening with um like princess diana Mm -hmm. and the music gets super intense it sounds like a csi or criminal minds kind of underscore and um so it's building up like she's about to die right now like (laughs) they blew their wand really early with this (laughs) but um so it like flashes to like the faces of all the officers and this is where we get our first introduction of um the investigator who becomes important in the show um so uh because we still don't have a character name i wrote the nosy american asked to see somebody's tabloids (laughs) (laughs) so she she lands in france and a woman is like reading a tabloid about princess diana and homegirl sticks her head like into the woman's shoulder so that she can read the tabloid and the finally the woman goes your own they're everywhere the woman turns to her and goes can I help you? And she's like, oh, can I borrow this for a second? And the woman is like, why the hell do you want my tabloid? But she hands it to her. (coughs) So that's when Emma looks up and sees a man that she knows. So she sticks the tabloid under her arm and just walks away. And I'm like, well, shit, no wonder other countries hate Americans. Is that the way we act? God. (laughs) Um, And then I also love that the tabloid was written completely in English, but like the woman reading it was clearly French. So... I, I mean, I know that almost all the French speak English, but I was just curious about this publication that was in English. I, yeah. Well, you know, like, it's America's world. Everyone else just lives in it. So right. everything has to be in English. Right. So. Um, and so, How dare a publication not come out and have it with an English version? Right. What even is that? So she runs into this guy, Charles, and she does not give a single fuck. She's just like, hey, I want you to drive me to the Ritz because that's where I'm staying. And we don't know any backstory. We don't know where she knows this guy from. We don't know why he's important, but he clearly is because he's got like a posse of people with him. This movie (laughs) sounds very confusing. Yes. There's a lot of exposition and no backstory. It makes no sense. Excellent. so um that's the make of a really good movie right. the whole time you're like what the fuck is happening so <laughs> they're in the like limo on the way to the ritz and she's talking with good old charles who looks like he does not want to be in this car with this woman i mean like aren't there enough people named charles in the story already like do we need to add another one <laughs> we needed extra charleses oh, more charleses <laughs> <laughs> When in doubt, add more Charles. Add more old Charles. Um, anyway, so then she starts talking about um, how Diana is now dating um, Fayed. And um, then she goes, wouldn't it be funny if um, Princess Diana is the first Muslim queen of England? Hold <laughs> on. I, can we just talk about the line of succession real well, quick? He very deadpan goes, she's not even royal anymore. And she's like, it was a joke. And he's like, done with her. 
God, it's no wonder people hate us. That's right? for real. Jesus. Um, when they get to the Ritz, Rachel. It's like when people call uh, the Duchess of Cambridge Princess Kate. And I'm like, God, please stop. Just don't do that. I call them all princess. Princess Harry, Princess William, Princess Kate. Just so I can't be wrong. I mean, can't be right. One of the two. Princess, <laughs> princess Queen Elizabeth. Princess Queen. <laughs> princess Prince Philip. <laughs> yes. I'm here for mm. it. Um, anyway, so when we get to the Ritz, Rachel, which is, we finally have learned her name. Her name is Rachel. I think oh. I'll still call her Emma. Okay. Um, every, she knows everybody there. So she just walks up like she, I don't get it. There's no backstory, but she knows everybody. So the first person she sees. Is she just such a famous reporter that she just knows everyone in France? Everyone everywhere because Charles is British. And oh, okay. so um, she sees a paparazzo and he's like telling her all the stuff that he's seen. So they're like buddies apparently because the paparazzo don't do that. Like They don't no. tell anybody what's going mm-hmm. on. And she's like, take pictures of everything for me. Okay. Not just her. And it's so then I was like, is he her photographer? But no, he's not. Is she the killer? <laughs> <laughs> she's everything. Okay. She's she's actually Princess Queen Elizabeth Did herself. Did she kill Princess Diana? That's what I want to know. So, um, we solved the crime. Jennifer Morrison killed Princess Diana. <laughs> all of the oh, the doors open and this very handsome man walks out. We've already seen him being briefed, but this mm-hmm. like very sexy police officer in a suit comes out. Mm-hmm. He's clearly an investigator now, and she is he got a promotion. She like almost falls over when she sees him and so he's like Rachel what are you doing here and she's like I'm staying here and then she goes I'm gonna miss the uniform congratulations on your promotion and he says that's what you get when you get a degree in criminal justice and then that's the end of this conversation like that would go on the deck the hallmarks like what wait Wait, what what? yeah um so they she I wrote she flirts and smizes Um, and so then he's like trying to tell her how good it is to see her and he does the French thing of kissing on both cheeks which by this point we've watched her do it to five people and she messes up and like goes in to like make out with him in the middle of the street and then he is like excuse me and she was like I'm sorry I forget we do both sides (laughs) and it reminded me of have you seen John Tucker must die yeah she's like you bobbed when I weaved (laughs) I'm so confused right now. Is this how you feel every week? Yes. So it cuts now to Rachel's checked into the Ritz and she mm-hmm. comes gliding down the stairs. And this is what I wrote. For the first time, she looks really familiar to me, but I don't know who she is because I didn't research the cast beforehand. IMDB is your friend. <laughs> um, She's at a very fancy bar and she's all dressed up and another hot guy, but this time Italian comes up and they know each other. Oh, I just hit my microphone. I'm sorry, everybody. She knows, but she knows everybody in Europe. Yes. Everyone. And then I wrote, guys, for real, the real story here is not about Diana. It's about this girl who knows every hot man that Europe has to offer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
Rachel starts asking him all these questions and he seems to like be an intelligence. He knows lots of like spy stuff almost like she can point out spies at this bar and she's noticing that like Fayed's security team is there and mm-hmm. that there's all these people that would not normally be there and they all look like they've got something to gain from existing. Um, so she, um, she gets out of him that the like the lead of Fayette security who is hired by the Ritz is an informant for the Brits and she is not having it. She like crazy eyes storms out of the bar and leaves all the hot guys in her wake, like staring at her in this hot red dress. Is she a reporter or like a cop? <laughs> she's everything. I'm really confused. I told you she's everything. What's her job? So Diana is getting into her car so we cut to princess diana getting into the car and sure. they never show her face and right. i actually really love that it's just like an actress in a really ugly princess diana shaped wig and <laughs> but like i appreciate that they didn't actually actively cast the most photographed woman in the world yeah this is one of my like bones that i pick with the um the william and kate movie the um not the lifetime version the hallmark version they did cast the princess diana and i hated it no don't do that you're like you can't you, you it's just not something that can be done you can't do it um so the hot french police guy who we finally at some point learned his name is thomas oh it's in this paragraph that i wrote it <laughs> um the hot french police guy asked rachel out to dinner and she wrinkles her nose and we all know what that means when she accepts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, but she says I could eat a salad. Right. So she sees this as a, like an opportunity to get more information. And she's like flirting to try to get details out of him because he's an investigator who's been briefed on everything that's going on with Diana. Cause she wants the, she wants like the first scoop for everything. I'm still really confused about what her job is. Well, we don't learn for another page what her job actually okay. is. So, um that's okay though because he knows that she has all of the like information and he finally says what are you even doing here you're a serious journalist and he said i thought you were supposed to change the world not report on celebrities and she says well celebrity is power look around and she points at like all the paparazzi and everything Mm -hmm. and he says i think celebrity is just a liability Mm. so um (laughs) More shots of bad wig Diana. Seriously, these paparazzi all need to be shot. They do a really good job at showing how the press used to be. Not that they've gotten much better, but like how aggressive they were at the time, especially around her. Because there's like... I was watching, you know, the documentaries that I watched just to prepare for this. And in the early 80s, like before they were even married they were just they just swarmed her uh-huh. constantly always and there's one where she's like walking down the street and people are asking her questions and a guy almost like because he's walking backwards filming her uh-huh. and he almost runs smack into a pole and she's like hey like watch out yeah which girl just let him just right let him walk into that pole <laughs> he deserves it <laughs> absolutely so Jeez. then um So Princess Diana's car pulls up to the Ritz, but she doesn't want to get out. When she finally does, a riot occurs and the police and secret security are like tackling the rioters. And then in the like in the midst of all this, Rachel in her hot red dress just like saunters through the riot and walks into the Ritz. Right. 
they're like nobody they like close off the door so that nobody can come in and she just walks up and she's like i'm staying here and then they're like oh cool you're hot so you can come in like so <clears throat> i have to f- imagine that security surrounding that kind of thing would be a little bit more <laughs> right so well they tell her that she can't come in right then but she can stand on the stoop and so she watches in and she sees that diana is sitting down crying and then gets up and leaves and then they let her go in but it's not like they shield her from seeing diana or anything right right right. she just has to stand there you're like you're fine you're not a reporter you're staying here and then in all caps are holy shit this is emma swan from once upon a time i knew i thought this woman looked hot and familiar i didn't recognize her without her leather <laughs> so this is yeah you just cut out okay it's probably just on my end though okay i'm not even going to edit that out i don't think okay welcome everybody um true life anyway so this is whatever i wrote that i didn't recognize her without her leather um <laughs> So then she feels like something is off and she keeps commenting on how many spies there were at the bar when she was talking to the Italian guy. And are they all wearing name tags that say like spy? <laughs> no, they're just all in a trench coat and a hat pulled down on their eyes. Okay. So they just look like dodgy. Right. No, characters. actually they're just people like they're just extras. They didn't do anything. They're just like, oh. but she knows. And then um, this must be based on the, the book because the book takes a lot of leaps with realities. Yes. Um, so it cuts to her telling Thomas that there's a plot against Diana and only he can fix it. And then I said, this is real bad 90s hair though, Emma Swan. Yeah. So it keeps growing throughout this scene. Like, <laughs> I told you I watched like the very beginning of this and then I had to turn it off because I just couldn't. But yeah, the hair thing, I was like, girl, yeah. can you just not? I don't like it. (laughs) So Princess Diana says that she has an announcement for the press that she's going to tell tomorrow. And then she gets in her car to leave again. And by the way, like every time it flashes, there's a new like timestamp. And I just didn't keep up with the timestamps. But this, the first like two thirds of this movie take place over the course of 12 hours. Okay. And I really like that. I really like reduced timelines, like in books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I can have a book that happens in the span of a day or two, I really love that. And so yeah. this movie was reminiscent of that. Um. Anyway, so Rachel hops on the paparazzi, like her f- paparazzi friend. She hops on his bike because he's going to follow the car and she doesn't want to lose whatever this hot lead is. Like she's the only reporter I mean, it, who's it had this idea. Like- She's just one of the paparazzi now. That's what it seems like, too. Yes. Okay. Um, so they are in the lead, but the others are closing in on her. And she wants this lead so bad, it's clear she'll do anything to get it. I half expect her to throw a, like, a Mario Kart banana peel behind her to spin out the enclosing paparazzi. Like, um, and then there's the I'm crash. I'm not sympathetic to her character at all. Well, you're you're about to be if you imagine that this is a really good piece of fiction. Okay. Because it could be at this point. And then I'll tell you my actual personal thoughts. But okay. um, so then we hear the crash. Mm-hmm. And Rachel is the first person on the scene. But she actually stays a respectable distance away. Um, and she tells her paparazzi friend to stay back. But the other paparazzi gives zero fucks. And they get, drive like into the car. Um and that's one thing that i just and i don't really go into it on my side but the people that were taking like she was still alive and they were taking photos of her instead of having like trying to help her and that just always has killed me oh yeah um so she starts trying to use the world's oldest cell phone to call emergency services sure 
And then she keeps screaming. They're still alive. They need an ambulance. And she's got crazy eyes, but I don't know who she's screaming that at. She's just screaming it like. Well, I think it's one of those things that when you're seeing something so horrific, you're just trying to get somebody's attention. Maybe. Um, so then Rachel um, gets in a car and gets taken to the hospital because that's where Inspector Cutie is. And it's clear they have some kind of history and that history is giving her a lot of privileges. I like Inspector Cutie. That's my <laughs> favorite name. So um, he um, so she get, winds up at the hospital and she asks him why the ambulance is stopped on the other side of the road. That was not English. Why the ambulance is stopped on the side of the road. Uh-huh. And Inspector Cutie says, well, the paramedics are trying to revive her. And she says, that doesn't make any sense. They're yards away. Like, why wouldn't they just cart her into the hospital where the, like, crash cart is? And, um... Oh, right, because they're, like, actively murdering her on the side of the road? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. And then... This totally happens. Not made up at all. And then she says, the news keeps blaming the paparazzi, but they were nowhere near the crash. They shouldn't have been arrested, but, like, everyone who was there but her was arrested. Um... I, I don't know what got her out of it. I guess either the hot red dress or, or Inspector Cutie, one mm-hmm. of the two. Yeah. Um, Inspector Cutie was like, not that one. Just right. And so, um, and she knows for sure that the paparazzi weren't there because she was in the lead. Remember, I told you that. Keep up, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the paparazzi were there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then it starts flashing like actual news clips from mm-hmm. the events. Um, and then... Rachel turns and sees Charles, the like random Charles, who's clearly important, but we don't know how. So not Prince Charles, not Charles Spencer, other Charles. Who is Charles Spencer? Diana's brother. No, not not him either. No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, maybe that's someone. No, I didn't. I was like, I don't think he was that person, but I wanted to double check before mm-hmm. I was an idiot. Um, so no, uh-uh, third Charles, Charles three. Okay. Um, so. The news reported that Diana's injuries were non-life-threatening, but Charles said she real dead, like they're trying to restart her heart. And I wish the quote actually were like, she real dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It would not be out of place in this story if he just walked in and was like, she real dead. (laughs) Well, so then Charles accuses Rachel of causing her death because the the press and the paparazzi are the same thing, and she is not having it. And she starts to cry that the princess died uh, and oh sorry nope I skipped a line so she's not having it she's like I'm doing serious reporting but at this point it just looks like paparazzi to me on the back of the paparazzi's motorcycle so (laughs) don't think you have a lot of room here but I will say that Diana did have a different relationship with the press than she did with the paparazzi however when you abandon your station and get on the back of a paparazzi's motorbike I think you become the paparazzi at that point right so then um, they're led into a room where a representative of the hospital is giving a statement about Princess Diana's death and mm-hmm. Rachel starts to cry. Um, and so now she starts internalizing that it was the press that killed Diana and she's not handling things well. And then like there's more news clips flashing and blaming the press. And then it cuts to like people laying flowers at um, Buckingham, Palace. Buckingham Palace. And um, then she starts she gets really angry she's in um 
she's in Inspector Cutie's house in his apartment and she's watching the Why not? the news, right? And uh, cuz he took her to his house after instead of going back to the Ritz after they left the hospital. Um, I mean, and this to his superiors must be totally fine. <laughs> right, exactly. His boss is like, yes, take that reporter to your house, <laughs> Inspector Cutie. This is all above board. <laughs> so she gets real angry that the news is reporting false facts. And girl, you were not ready for 2019. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, she decides that she has to go give a statement to the police. And she's like, she tells about all these interviews that she's had and that there were three three witnesses who reported seeing a white Fiat Uno around the same time as the crash. And she thinks that that actually caused the crash. And so the police detective was like, can I take your interview book? And it's like all her notes on this Diana story. And she was like, only if I can get it back. And he goes, so you're withholding evidence. And so she he snatches it out of her hand at that point. And she's like, there's CCTV footage. Like, you can keep calling me a liar or you can just watch the footage. And that's when they're like, okay, we're done here. And make her sign a form and escort her out. And she's like, what about the footage? What about my notes? What about I, I've gotten my way every time until now? What is wrong with you? Like, <sighs> <laughs> So... um there's a more montage of news clips and research. And this time Rachel's sitting at the world's heaviest laptop in a very serious, um, she tank has like a top. pencil pencil behind her ear. She's in like a serious tank top and yeah. like her hair's like she's washed it once in the past three weeks and she's just typing furiously and she's been over like Gollum at this computer. Like not at all like a crazy conspiracy theorist <laughs> right. at all. Eyes twitch a little bit. Nothing. She nothing lives at all. only on coffee and bad ideas. Like right. she's like snorting cocaine off her keyboard. Like, yeah. So um she's like getting interviews and she's reading tabloids and she's like doing the like dirty reporting like why are on you the reading ground. the tabloids she needs all the facts and then that's not where you go to get the facts so she's still staying at the ritz for all this and her company is paying for it like she calls her an editor and she's like i've got a good story i need y'all to let me stay here and so i'm like I need to call my boss and be like, I have a good story. I'm going to Paris. <laughs> right. And I need you to pay for me to stay at the Ritz. Right. And my boss would be like, get your ass to work. <laughs> right. At your desk, not at, at the your Ritz. Desk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she finally meets with her paparazzo friend and he managed mm -hmm. to save his film and process it. And she sees one picture and all this of white paint on the car and she's <gasps> like do you see the white paint remember the white fiat and then she's like i need your contacts and he's like you got to pay for my contacts so this is where he's like a real paparazzo again and mm. so she pays him and he says that he has a contact who said that diana was pregnant at the time of the crash and that that was the big announcement the next day so oh god i can't okay so then Rachel gets questioned about why she's following this story because she has never been a celebrity reporter. They say finally that she's been reporting on like world events always that she's been like the kind of like, um, Geraldo Rivera back before he was disgusting, like in the trenches kind of that? reporting. Well, before people knew he was disgusting. Oh, okay. Um, 
like kind of an in the trenches kind of reporter and that this isn't doesn't make sense and she said that diana's work is near and dear to her because diana has been working on um banning landmines and that Mm -hmm. she's been reporting on the banning of landmines for a long time and now they finally have a celebrity force behind it and so she wanted to be the person who got to follow diana's progression through the landmine ban now that part is true right and i was like you didn't (laughs) have to go to paris to read about her banning landmines like yeah, you could have gone to like where she went. So, which was Angola. Right. <laughs> so she's where still, she like walked through the landmines, but that's not quite the Ritz. So, right. <laughs> right. So, um, I'm going kind of long, so I want to speed through the rest of this. We are actually close to the end. But, um, so Rachel then meets the hot like Italian intelligence agent and mm-hmm. he, she keeps pressing him for information. And he finally says, who are you working for? You know too much. And she says, it's just me. I'm only working for me. And she said, we've always trusted each other. And he said, not today. And like walks out of the bar and he is done with her. Not and today, bitch. so um, she calls her editor and she's like, Hey, did you get the email I just sent you? And the editor says, Hey, I can't actually, um, talk right now because somebody broke into our office and stole all of our computers and all of your files and she was like did you get my email and she said i haven't gotten an email from you and that's when they realized they're being tapped because rachel has run a story about being a witness at the scene of the crime and so now the government is out to get her oh sure so which um, government though all of them the american government the english government the french government all every they're government. all in this conspiracy that to make this conspiracy work they all have to be involved yeah yeah so i just need to know which one all of them okay it's, yeah I, they're all le- led by the same lizard man oh right okay <laughs> so um and the lizard man is prince philip yes duh princess <laughs> prince philip um so well she gets back to her hotel room and the the boss is like I don't know what's going on. I don't know why. Because they didn't destroy anything. They just took all the computers when they broke in. And she said, I think this is my fault. And the woman was like, probably not. I got to go. Bye. And Rachel returns to her hotel room. The whole hotel room has been trashed. All of her notes are gone. Her 5,000 pound laptop is gone. And I'm like, girl, if your notes were that important, why did you leave them unattended? Right. So um, then the editor calls and says, you have to come home now. The board says you have to come home we can't be involved in this anymore i can't give you any information but you've got to stop Mm -hmm. so rachel packs her stuff and she says she's checking out and that her flight leaves at 12 30 and then she goes to investigator cutie's apartment and she says oh no i'm just wetting them out i want them to think i'm scared i'm not leaving and he's like are you sure that's a good idea i feel like she maybe needs like a nice rest (laughs) so then she gets him on her crazy-eyed conspiracy theory. And listen, hot girls can get anything from a guy. I'm just telling sure. you this. Like, being honest. If, mm-hmm. if, and this is probably the most sexist thing I'm going to say to you today. Okay. <laughs> Notice that's the only promise I give you. If uh, Jennifer Morrison were to walk in this room right now and be like, um, Paul, listen, President Trump is trying to molest you. And the only way you can be safe is if you burn down every home in Bossier. And then she kissed me. I'd be like, let's go! I got a box of matches right here, Jennifer Morrison! Bye, Sarah! Like... Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know why I did that Albert voice for all of that, but that's who I became. 
you don't leave that in, I quit. Oh, no, it's there. <laughs> so, oh my God. so he's like, you're right. There is something crazy. So he goes, and I said, he's going to have a hit put out on him. He better watch out. There so- is something crazy going on. It's Jennifer Morrison. She's the crazy one, you guys. So he goes to his boss and... He's like, I need the autopsy report as soon as it comes in. And his boss says, oh, there won't be an autopsy. They've already embalmed her. And he says, that's illegal. The French law says you can't embalm somebody without an autopsy. And um, he's, and then they're like, yeah, but the crown is kind of pressing us and blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, we've lost all credibility as a country. And I don't want to be a police officer or like, I'm ashamed to be a police officer. And the boss is like, well, then you don't have to be. You're on leave. Bye. Bye, bitch. So, um, Thomas is afraid they're all going to die and he wants to give up on the investigation. But crazy eye, Rachel is like, nah, nope. Mm mm make out with me you'll want to do it again and he's like okay i got the matches so um there's definitely a spy following her and he doesn't even notice so he's not a good investigator apparently that degree in criminology did nothing yeah Um, not helpful so um Rachel meets with the paparazzi's informant and she says that she was going to announce her pregnancy the next day and that she was going to marry Fayed and give up the public life. And then the informant also says that Diana was convinced she was going to die in a car crash. And that is documented. Mm -hmm. Um, Like her diary said it. And Mm -hmm. then she said in interviews that she thought there's a plot to kill her. Like that Mm -hmm. is not a secret. No. Um, I know you know That's not a secret, but she was also suffering from some major depression. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Thomas is called into work and he's told it's an emergency mm-hmm. and Rachel's like I thought you're on leave and he was like apparently I have to go back it's an emergency and so Rachel wants to interview more witnesses because while... is that how that works? yeah it's like you're at administrative leave but oh there's an emergency so we have to take you off yep like... yep I... um, France is so, so weird Thomas has been like interviewing witnesses that like crazy eyed witnesses that Rachel has found like under bridges or wherever. I don't know. (laughs) And so, um, the boss says, um, you, uh, should not have been part of this investigation. You're fired. Why did you continue this? I thought we talked about it. What the hell is wrong with you? And so, um, it cuts to Rachel and she's going to the last witness's house that he mentioned because that witness had seen the Fiat, but she'd also seen a bright light in the tunnel. And Rachel thinks that it might be a strobe gun. Was it Jesus? It was Princess Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back. Um, so, but she gets to the apartment where the woman was and her whole apartment has been cleaned out. There's no sign of her. And there's only like an armoire left. No more furniture. And Thomas had been interviewing her just hours before. But a woman said that some men came and took her and cleared out everything. So Rachel returns to Thomas's apartment. And it's dark. And he's not returning her phone calls. And she panics. And um, she's like turning on all the lights. And so I thought this is where we're going to see that he'd been like that hit had been put out on him. But right. instead it cuts to him. He'd been drinking at a bar and then he got beat to a bloody pulp and he wakes up in a dark alley and he doesn't know how he got there. And there's a British guy who tells him to give it up or he'll or else, you know, that like big impending or else. else. And then he disappears into the night. Um, Sure. So he shows up at his apartment and he's covered in blood and nothing makes love bloom like a near death experience. So they fuck in his kitchen. Yeah. 
Like it's true. Yeah. So his kitchen's downstairs and his bedroom's upstairs and like he'd just been beaten up, so it's better to just do it on the table. That makes I mean, sense. Better than getting blood everywhere. Anyways. Right, duh. Well, she washed his face, and then it was like when she oh, was doing sure. the last pass through on his neck. That's when they were like, "Oh, we oh, are yeah. in love." Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We still don't know how they knew each other before this. <laughs> yeah. By the it way, it doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. So Rachel, um, Rachel goes to meet with Charles, and it's clear that he's like important. Like I've said, but we still don't know what it is. But she says that this is a political assassination and that he's going to have to clean up the mess and she knows it. And so she says, if you don't like when they involve you, mm-hmm. you have to tell them to lay off um, Thomas and will disappear. Like we'll go away. But if they continue to fuck with Thomas, then I will stand on every rooftop rooftop and announce what I know. I will say that a white Fiat came in and they, um, and somebody on a motorbike flashed a strobe gun and it caused the wreck. And I will tell everybody what I know. And he was like, you'll forget what you think, you know, that's what that's going to happen. Now, here's the thing. Say this was all this all happened, right? There's this one reporter who knows what actually happened that night. She can stand on rooftops all day long and nobody's going to care. Well, and if she's sitting on a rooftop, I'm literally not going to care. Like, if you wrote it on a blog, I'd be more likely to believe it than somebody standing on a roof. Let's be for real. I'm just saying, like, if if it's there's one person that's figured this out, nobody else, and they're going to spend their whole life saying that this happened, okay, we're it's in, never going to go anywhere. We're in a world where people believe again that the world is flat. Like, mm-hmm. one person sitting on a rooftop might actually get shit done around here. Uh, maybe. <laughs> So, um, he says, that's fine. Like he will protect them, but they need to get the hell out of Dodge and she needs to never open her mouth again. So she keeps calling Thomas and he doesn't show up where they're supposed to meeting. So she books it to his apartment and that's where she finds him just packing their bags, ready to go or sitting at his desk with his brains blown out and his gun by his feet. Um, so, so do we leave her on the rooftop? Not yet. No. Mm-mm. So she, um, a woman calls and says she's got information for Thomas and Rachel tells the woman what happened to Thomas and says she'll come pick up the, she's got the um, CCTV video. Um, okay. And so she uh, says that she'll pick up the, she'll meet her somewhere safe. And as she's driving, like as she's leaving, she sees a, Nope. Sorry. As she was coming to Thomas's apartment, she gets hit in the shoulder. Like, you know, like when people brush past you and they misjudge yeah. mm-hmm. uh, by this guy. And so as she's driving, she flashes back to his face. She realizes that she's seen him all the time. And then we realize that that's the guy who had been tracking Thomas that said leave or else. Oh, sure. So then it flashes to her, him getting off the elevator when he brushed into her. And it flashes to him in the car with the woman who was going to give them the CCTV footage. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to him being at like all the important scenes of the whatever, like of the experience. And so um, she's driving and she's getting all these, like putting these pieces together. And then a man on a motorbike starts to run her down and he flashes a strobe light in her face and she crashes into a wall. It's very um, symbolic. Yeah. It's very meta. Yeah. (laughs) 
So Rachel wakes up in the ICU and Charles comes to tell her that Thomas committed suicide and she knows that that's bullshit because he would never. And he was like, the man just lost his job and will never be able to work again. But Kay, you do you, boo. Yeah. Um, so then he was like, somebody left this videotape for you. And she was like, put it in. This will show you everything. And so he puts it in, he presses play and the screen shows static and he says, I told you there was nothing to talk about and leaves the room and it zooms in on the static, which is the way it opened. And that is my lifetime, uh, my edit of the week. Nice. <laughs> um, so then the ending Chiron says, and this is, this is true. So th- I was laughing whenever you're like, what if there was one, um, one what did you say um reporter who knew all this information and what would happen Mm -hmm. so there was a photographer who said he had proof of this exact story basically yes i know um and so it said the body of the photographer james anderson was found in a burned out wreckage of his bmw in may 2000 the car was locked but there was no sign of a key an official french inquiry concluded he had committed suicide When the mahogany box containing Diana's crown jewels was opened by Diana's sister, it was found to be empty. No closed-circuit surveillance footage of the crash that killed Diana has ever been located. In December 2006, the official British police inquiry into Diana's death concluded that the car crash in which she died was a tragic accident. In October 2007, the British High Court inquest into her death will uh, hear evidence before a jury. Mm Mm-hmm. And that has been the murder of Princess Diana. Okay. I don't talk a lot about the conspiracy theory because it's patently ridiculous. See, and I believe it. It's patently ridiculous. I don't believe any conspiracy theories and I believe this one. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Um, Princess Paul says it's not ridiculous. You have to believe that old crotchety phil concocted this plan got away with it got three governments on board when he's not even the head of a government body and everyone's just been covering it up and nobody's spilled their guts yet. i do believe it and I'll, believe I'll tell it you i'll tell you why when you get to the end so get to the end okay. and then we'll talk this is ridiculous so um i do touch on the conspiracy theory but i do I just talk a lot about her life. And actually one of the things that I found really fascinating was what happened to the Royal family, how this was almost their downfall. Right. 100%. Um, So I did watch a couple of um, documentaries and then I have a book called Diana in her own words. Oh, I know that one. I've read it by Andrew Morton. And I have, we'll talk about how that came about, but then there's, there's another documentary there's a documentary called Diana in her own words is based on the book. And then there's also one called Diana seven days that shook the world. Okay. And it's about the seven days between her death and her funeral. Okay. Um, and then also the Wikipedia because you know, um, Diana Francis Spencer was born on July 1st, 1961 to John and Francis Spencer. Her father was the 8th Earl of Spencer, of title he officially inherited in 1976, after which Diana was known as Lady Diana until her marriage. Uh, The Spencer family has had close ties to the royal family for several generations. Um, Both of her grandmothers served as ladies-in-waiting to Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. She had three siblings, Jane, Sarah, and Charles. 
The Spencers had had another son named John who died as an infant the year before Diana was born. Um, her parents divorced when she was seven years old. Her father remarried and she did not get along with her stepmother until late, much later in life. Um, Diana described her childhood as very unhappy and unstable. In 1977, at the age of 16, she met Charles Philip Arthur George Windsor. Who I need at a the couple more names. Who at the time was dating her sister. I knew that. Yeah. And I was like, how very King Henry VIII of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 1980, Charles was facing mounting pressure to marry and produce an heir. He saw Diana at a polo match um, and started to consider her as a potential bride with, quote, no surge of feeling. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it said that the palace liked her for him because she was so young. It was doubtful that um, she'd have scorned lovers come out of the woodwork to badmouth her. I'd heard that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. After the polo match, she was invited to a sailing weekend along or aboard the royal yacht, the Britannia, um, then to the Royal Scottish Estate in Balmoral, where she met the Queen, the Duke of Edinburgh, the Queen Mother, in November of 1980. She was well received by then, so the prince continued to court her in London, where the press immediately seized upon her and chased her until she died. Um. He proposed to her February 6th, 1981 at Windsor Palace, and she accepted. Diana was 19 years old, and Charles was 32. Ew. I'm sorry. I, I try to not judge. Like, I don't want to shame anybody for love is love. Yeah. But personally, I could not. I'm sorry. It just shows, like... I don't know who thought this was going to be a good idea. I also don't think what out. they had was love. Like that's the no, other part no, of that. I, we're going to get to that. Her engagement ring was 14 solitaire diamonds surrounding a 12 carat oval blue uh, Kylan Sapphire set in white gold. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what I gave Sarah for her engagement. That's what she got for her engagement. I know. And I'm a peasant. <laughs> yeah. Um, they officially announced their engagement on February 21st, 1981 after which Diana quit her job as a kindergarten teacher's assistant and moved first to Clarence House, where the Queen Mother was living at the time, and then to Buckingham Palace until the wedding. Um, she was the first royal bride to ever have a paying job before her engagement. Really? Mm -hmm. um, they married Wednesday, July 29th, 1981 at St. Paul's Cathedral. Diana wore an iconic Mm -hmm. ivory silk taffeta and lace gown designed by david and elizabeth emmanuel I with a 25 foot train a 153 yard tool veil topped with the spencer family tiara i bet that kids today have no like if they just saw that picture they would not know who that is because i mm -hmm. keep thinking like anytime somebody talks about diana that's one of the things that flashes in my head mm -hmm. i just um want to people always ask why um, the Duchesses, Sussex, and Cambridge don't wear the Spencer tiara, and it's because it does not belong to the royal family. It belongs to the Spencers, and it's loaned out at their discretion. Right. So that's, you probably won't ever see it on them. <laughs> um, da -da -da -da. Diana did wear the Spencer tiara quite a bit during her lifetime. She said it was, quote, lighter and easier to wear. Fair enough. Than other tiaras. I mean, 
tiara problems am i right <laughs> okay how many tiaras do you have just the one i was gonna say including the one that you're wearing right now <laughs> <laughs> um i put here i have this wedding on vhs somewhere and i don't know <laughs> why i'm surprised that you do i don't know why because i don't even have a vhs player it's but I important. remember growing up and watching this when I was younger and thinking, like, that was it. That's what love is. <laughs> and now, now, like, hindsight, I'm like, they don't appear to even like each other. No. The balcony kiss was super awkward. Like, it just not at all. It's kind of sad, actually. Um, there's actually an old interview of them the day they got engaged where a reporter asks Charles if he's in love and his response is, whatever love is. Oh, I don't like that at all. Yeah. Their relationship was rocky from the get-go, mostly centered around Charles' previous and ongoing relationship with Camilla Parker Bowles. Um, she tells a story about her honeymoon. Charles had come down to dinner and was wearing cufflinks engraved with interlocking C's. Kind of like the Chanel C's. Uh She asked where he'd gotten them from. And he told her they were from Camilla. And she says after that they had, quote, quite a row. I can imagine. (laughs) Um, Diana herself says she was obsessed with Camilla. Um, It plunged her into a deep depression. She was always worried about where they were together, whether they were together, all of that. And Camilla kind of perpetuated this she kind of she she kind of inserted herself into their relationship when she should have just like taken several steps back and let it run its course because it was never going to work out (laughs) um she was also suffering from bulimia at the time uh when she when her engagement was announced she had a 29 inch waist and on her wedding day it was 23 and a half inches oh that's my arm (laughs) not even Um, like a bicep that's just my flabby fat It is also rumored um, that um, Prince Charles was upset and jealous that the princess was slowly becoming more popular than he was. That doesn't surprise me. There's a press conference in Australia when they were on um, a visit, and he says something like, I think I should have had two wives, one for each side of the street, then I could just walk down the middle of directing things. Yikes. Yeah, he was a little salty. Um, So yeah, things weren't going great. But Diana says her saving grace was getting pregnant with William. William Arthur Philip Louis was born June 21st, 1982, followed by his brother, Henry Charles Albert David, on September 15th, 1984. And I was born right in the middle. (laughs) I was not for another four years. Diana was not a regular royal mom. She was a cool royal mom. (laughs) She took a very hands-on approach to raising her sons and rarely deferred to the prince or the royal family. She selected their given names. She chose their clothing. She took them to school when she was able to. And she really, like, organized her schedule, like, around their timetable, which all sounds like normal things moms do, but at the time was not the way the royal family did things. Right. Um, Five years into the marriage, things began to fall apart. I can't imagine why. Charles and Diana were both having affairs. (laughs) Uh, Well, that might be why. Charles with Camilla. At least he's consistent. (laughs) Yeah. And Diana with Major James Hewitt. Um, everything was exposed in 1992 with the publication of Andrew Morton's book, Diana, Her True Story, which revealed not only the affairs, but Diana's suicidal unhappiness. Um, the book caused a media firestorm, and the sources of the book were wildly speculated at the time. The princess denied being a source, 
and but said she was quote not angry at whichever of her, of her friends had been the source of the book. However, in 1997, after her death, the author confirmed that it was the princess herself that was the source of his book. Well, of course, it's easy to say that after she did. A but series of it, interviews had been recorded inside Kensington Palace by a close friend okay. on behalf of Morton. Mm -hmm. And there's like he had also submitted like transcripts where she had made notes in the margins of like what to change. Gotcha. I mean, it would it would not have surprised me if like it did it was true. It did not surprise me, oh, but no. it's also very it <laughs> easy to say things after people are yeah. dead. No, no, it was true. Um, in 1992, both Charles and Diana had tape recordings released exposing their affairs. <laughs> Yikes! Um, Charles again with Camilla and Diana with uh, James Gilby. In December 1992, who was James Gilby? Some guy. I have her tennis instructor stuck in my head. Did she have an affair with her tennis instructor? Um, you're probably thinking of, um, oh, what's his name? Major James Hewitt. He's the guy that everybody thought was Harry's father, but their, their affair began like way after Harry was right. born. Mm -hmm. Okay. Was he a tennis um, coach? No. Okay. I don't know why I have tennis instructor in my I head. Either. Okay. Continue. That's my dream. <laughs> um, in, in December 1992, the prime minister announced the couple's, quote, amicable separation. <laughs> I doubt it was amicable, but okay. On November 20th, 1995, an interview with the princess and Martin Bazir was aired on the television show Panorama. In the interview, Diana famously refers to Charles and Camilla's relationship by saying, quote, well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. I remember that. Like, I she, remember reading that. And she openly questioned Charles' suitability for the that was in English. She openly questioned Charles' suitability for the kingship. This proved to be the breaking point for the royal family. And on December 20th, 1995, it was announced that the queen had sent letters to both Charles and Diana advising them to officially divorce. Yikes. That's Mary Louise coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> the divorce was finalized on August 28th, 1996. Diana received a lump sum of 17 million pounds. How is she ever going to survive on that? As well as an additional £400,000 per year. She was stripped of her HRH title and was instead styled as Diana Princess of Wales, reportedly at the insistence of Prince Charles. Okay. After the divorce, Diana continued to devote her life to her children and her humanitarian work. She remained the patron of six charities. Uh, Centerpoint, the English National Ballet, Great Ormond Street Hospital, the Leprosy Mission, the National AIDS Trust, and the Royal Marsden Hospital. She spent a lot of time with AIDS patients and was dedicated to destigmatizing the illness. She said, quote, HIV does not make people dangerous to know. You can shake their hands and give them a hug. Heaven knows they need it. What's which, more, you can share their homes, their workplaces, and their playgrounds and toys. Which was such a radical idea at the time that blows my mind. Radical. Mm -hmm. So Sarah's dad is an ER nurse mm -hmm. and he was nursing like back when you were wearing mm -hmm. hazmat suits to go into the room with an AIDS patient and, and he absolutely would not like he took a lot of ridicule and he's like are you kidding me like you're all mm -hmm. idiots basically yeah um she made multiple trips to Africa to help the victim of AIDS um a tradition her children still keep to this day um she also worked with the Halo Trust who worked to remove debris particularly landmines from war-torn areas in January 1997, she was famously photographed touring in an Angolan minefield in a ballistic helmet and flak jacket. Yeah, and they showed that, like, in the opening montage mm -hmm. I was talking about, that was in there. 
the royal family was not really a fan of the work they did, that she did. Um, they sent her request to wear, quote, a hat and gloves when interacting with the public. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Queen, you already said you don't want her to be part of your family. You don't get to tell her what to do. And the queen also reportedly suggested to her to get involved with something, quote, more pleasant. Oh, yes. We need more bake cells, less yeah. AIDS victims. Come on. In her personal life, she met and dated a heart surgeon named Hasnat Khan, who many described as the love of her life. They dated in secret for two years and broke up in July of 1997. There are differing accounts of how the relationship ended. She was said to be heartbroken that he decided to end it. However, in the official inquest into her death, Khan said it was Diana who ended the relationship. Her longtime butler, Andrew Burrell, alleged that the end of the relationship was due to her mother disapproving of her being with a Muslim man. Right. Within a month of the breakup, Diana began dating Dodi Fayed, a son of Mohammed Al-Fayed, who was hosting her on his yacht for the summer in the south of France. Um, Mohammed Al-Fayed was the former owner of Harrods Department Store. Uh, Dodi Fayed was the executive producer for Chariots of Fire, Breaking Glass, Hook, The Scarlet Letter. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier that summer, he had been engaged to American model Kelly Fisher, who had actually filed a breach of contract suit against him for jilting her for Princess Diana. Yikes! Claiming, quote, he led her emotionally all the way up to the altar and abandoned her when they were almost there. The suit was dropped shortly after Fayed's death. Yikes. According to her butler, Andrew Burrell, Diana was using Fayed to make Khan jealous. He says that she called all the time wondering if Khan had seen the photos in the paper of her and Fayed together. Um, reportedly, she and Khan had spoken the night before her death about reconciling, and she was in Paris en route back to London. <sighs> August 31st, 31st 1997, Diana and Fayed were in a car fleeing the paparazzi when they crashed in the Port de Lamalou tunnel in Paris, France. Dodi Fayed and the driver Henry Paul were killed instantly. Diana bodyguard Trevor Reese Jones survived the crash. Diana was taken to the hospital and rushed into surgery, but her injuries were too severe. At 3 a.m. British Standard Time, she was pronounced dead. Diana and Fayed had known each other for less than 30 days. Oh, my God. So the idea that she was pregnant is absolutely ridiculous. You don't know that. You don't know how long they've known each other. I just said they knew each other less than 30 days. Yeah, you said that, but you don't know how long people have known each other. Like, I don't have an account of the first day I met Sarah. I don't have it written down anywhere. She was the most photographed woman in the world. I'm pretty sure somebody could probably pin down when they met. I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. The original investigation concluded that the crash was caused by the driver who was intoxicated. He had a 0.17 blood alcohol. Um, He was also on prescription drugs and speeding to get away from the paparazzi. However, in February 1998, Mohammed Al-Fayed publicly stated he believed the accident had been planned by MI6 and the Duke of Edinburgh. Yeah, I'm there. I'm with him. You're crazy. Um... An inquest began in London in 2004 and continued into 2007, 2008, eventually eventually attributing the crash to grossly negligent driving and the pursuing paparazzi who forced the driver to speed into the tunnel, after which Al-Fayed said he would drop the claims for the sake of Diana's children. At the time of the crash, the Queen, Charles, William, and Harry 
were all at Balmoral. Um, the Queen and Charles disagreed from the start over how to handle things. This is what I think is a real crime. Is <laughs> <laughs> how this almost brought down the monarchy, and that, which is also another reason why this cannot be a conspiracy because it literally almost ruined these people. Well, that's easy for them to pretend like it did. Um. So it said that Charles knew immediately that the royal family is going to shoulder the blame for Diana's death. While the queen just didn't grasp like how the people were going to react. Right. Um, the news spread like wildfire. So much so that there was a power surge from the number of people turning on their television. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, the royal family did not immediately alter their routine. They went to church Sunday morning at Balmoral. While in London, people started to gather outside of Buckingham Palace. Charles insisted on taking the royal flight to London to, or not to London, to Paris to retrieve Diana's body. Um, the queen did not want him to do this because to her, like Diana was no longer a part of the royal family. And that's the royal flight is for right. that purpose. Right. Um, <clears throat> to the point that I, the documentary I was watching said that the, he was looking into getting commercial flight to fly to Paris. Oh, wow. Which I would love to see Prince Charles on a commercial flight, right. like sitting economy. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's on the exit row, right? <laughs> Sir, are you able-bodied? Can you open this hatch? Are you there? Did I lose you again? Yeah, just a little bit. I can hear you. I just can't see you. There you are. Um, she did eventually relent and allowed him to go. Um, one of the people being interviewed, and I just think this is really sad says Charles fought for Diana in her death more than he ever did in her lifetime. That's awful. He flew to Paris with Diana's sister, Jane, Diana's sisters, Jane and Sarah, and brought her body back draped in the Royal standard, which was also a big deal. Right. Um, and she was taken to lion state at St. James palace. Uh, meanwhile, Charles Spencer came out hard and fast against the press, blaming them for the accident. Um, the public also quickly jumped on this bandwagon and things started to get ugly between people mourning and the press trying to interview them. Right. Real ugly. I remember um, that. So the press immediately fired back, blaming the royal family instead for the, the death. Just to get the get the heat off themselves. Well, yeah. Um, accusing them of being cold and callous for not making a statement and not coming out in public to wail with grief over what had happened. Um I don't know. There's a lot of differing statements about whether or not they really cared, but I think they kept their distance in an attempt to protect the kids. Right. Because it's hard to like put these kids who are in Scotland on a plane and then parade them through London just to get back to their house. Like, right. It's a lot. The public turned on them quickly though. Um, a big issue became the, the flag everywhere in London. The union Jack was at half mast except for over Buckingham Palace where there was no flag flying because at the time, as it had been since forever, the flag is the only flag flown over Buckingham Palace is the Royal standard. And it's only raised when the queen is in residence. Right. Um, um, so flags are very important to people in the UK mm-hmm. and Ireland. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, when I was in Ireland, um, cause I did a concert tour there uh, yeah. eight years ago or so, um, they were actually having kind of a civil war in Northern Ireland. 
Yeah. Because they had not flown the Northern Ireland flag as much as they had flown the UK flag. (laughs) And it was like a real thing. Like I wasn't Mm -hmm. allowed to go to Northern Ireland because of it. Oh, no, they're talking about this. And first of all, it just it's so odd because, you know, we're American. America hasn't been around for centuries and centuries. And, you know, like what? (laughs) No. America was founded at the dawn of time. Nothing before America <laughs> counts. So, like, the, just the idea, like, this is the way it's been done since, you know, 1211. You know? Right. <laughs> um, it's but, just so bonkers. But then they're interviewing this guy, and he literally was like, I wondered at the time, like, is this what the start of a civil war feels like? Yikes. And I was like, damn. <laughs> now, put yourself in their shoes and imagine somebody didn't put up the Texas flag. Because we all know Texans coming out hard on that. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the whole flag thing just really outraged people uh-huh. who began to demand that royal protocol be thrown out the window. Um, which, like, one of the guys is on the show is like, somebody should have just done it. Like, nobody was hey, watching. Somebody you know? should have just done it. But also, it's not like the royals had any power. They're nothing. Newsflash no. to everybody. It's an institutional but- monarchy. <laughs> The Magna Carta had been signed well before that, guys. Let's read a history book. I don't know what their existence does to change your life. In an instant, something people usually like about the queen, the fact that she's cautious, she's not impulsive, she's steadfast in her tradition, she's very calm in her role, became something that people hated about her. Dr. Sarah just asked if I was yelling about the Magna Carta Mm because she doesn't know what we're recording about. We're recording about Princess Diana today. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yes, <laughs> she was like, "How does death have to do with the Magna Carta?" Everything, a Sarah. A lot of people died. <laughs> it, it all comes back to the Magna Carta. So actually, like, so the people—it's so interesting to see the people that were like in the circle and like outside the circle because people outside the circle thought that the queen should just like chuck everything out the window and you know do what they wanted her to do. When people inside the circle were like. This is the first time she's ever put her family first. Right. She kind of is bucking tradition by not taking them home and doing like per- putting on the show that people want to see. Right. Um, I just I can't even fathom. I don't think there's any one person in our country who would garner that kind of attention. Not to mention mm-hmm. like Americans were going batshit crazy. I mean, oh, the yeah. whole world was over this. Yeah. But it's like, I can't think of a single person who would have that kind of impact if they died in our country. Um, yeah. Like the, the wildest thing in my, in my lifetime is maybe Michael Jackson's funeral was a huge deal like that, but not even on that scale. I, I mean, I think, and it's, this isn't even in my lifetime. I think you're going to go back to JFK. Yeah, that was the one I was going to say. Like, mm-hmm. was going to be like the mass scale mourning, like this was. Right. Um, the situation was publicly tense as well as privately tense, as representatives from the House Spencer, the House Windsor, and the government tried to agree on funeral arrangements. There was a lot of animosity, as you can probably guess, between the royal family and the Spencers, um, which is really fascinating to me because Charles Spencer wasn't even speaking to his sister at the time. Right. Because she had asked to come back and live at Althorpe to get away from the press, and he had said no. 
Um, so, and also the royal family had also kind of cut ties with her, except as, you know, as she was the prince's mother. So all of a sudden, like, everyone wants to run the show, but nobody wanted to take, you know, her in when she was out there. Right. But it was just how much bizarre. do you think, how much of that do you think, like, especially on Charles Spencer's part was survivor's guilt because she wanted yeah. to hide from the press and then oh. it was the press or the paparazzi that killed We're her. We're going to get to his eulogy. <laughs> um, so... So tensions were just high everywhere. Um, and this is all like days. This is not like a so long that reduced time. timeline I was talking about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just days and there's so much happening. It's just insane. Um, so finally, Tony Blair and Prince Charles, which that's a buddy cop movie. I would pay money to. Oh, see. absolutely. <laughs> Teamed up to convince the queen that something had to be done. Um, she broke with royal protocol and allowed her press secretary to release a statement defending themselves, which is something they don't do. No. They don't defend them. They're the royal family. They just do what the fuck they want. Right. Um, so this statement was released. Quote, the queen has asked me to say that the royal family have been hurt by suggestions that they're indifferent to this country's sorrow at the tragic death of the Princess of Wales. Prince William and Prince Harry are with their father and their grandparents at this time in the quiet haven of Balmoral. As their grandmother, the queen is helping the princes come to terms with their loss as they prepare themselves for the public ordeal of mourning their mother with the nation on Saturday. And the documentary I was watching, and I just love this wording, says they called it a truly unprecedented climb down by an institution that has always resisted change. Wow. (laughs) Several other changes were made at the time. The Union Jack was flown at half mast over Buckingham Palace. Um, the queen addressed the nation on TV, which was her first live broadcast in 50 years. Oh, wow. Bitch has a routine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (coughs) so was Hmm? world war two. Was that the last time she addressed? I think it was 50 years before that. 97. That'd be 47. Mm -hmm. Probably the end. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which actually, I think it was probably her famous. I declare before you all. Yeah. Whether my whole life, whether it be long or short. Yeah. I know the whole speech. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that'll Edward. be a Patreon episode where Aaron just recites the Queen's speech in a British accent while drinking. Okay. That's great. I'm on board. <laughs> so it'll be a Patreon episode. Yes. <laughs> Princess Edward and Andrew were asked to gauge the public reaction by walking amongst the crowd. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, no. I guess that I'm glad that went well. It could have gone very poorly. Right. <laughs> Um, can you imagine they're like uh, is there any other option like what's plan right. B anything else we can do <laughs> can I do makeup work instead like <laughs> um, at Balmoral the Queen the Duke of Edinburgh Charles William and Harry went to the gates to look at the tributes that had been left by mourners uh, they then returned to London Saturday September 6th 19 or no 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 okay hold on yeah, that's the funeral they returned to London that Friday okay so Saturday, September 6, 1997, at 9.08 in the morning, the four-and-a-half-mile processional from Kensington Palace to Westminster Abbey began. This length had actually been quadrupled from the original plan due to the expected crowds. The funeral was drawing. 33 million people tuned in across Britain, along with another two-and-a-half billion people around the world to watch the funeral. More than a million people lined the streets of London. 
a no-fly zone was instituted, so the streets were virtually silent Mm -hmm. while this was going on. Um, The royal family gathered outside of Buckingham Palace as the processional passed, which was actually unplanned. So they um, they were going to stay inside the palace, and the queen decided to go outside at the last minute. One of the security guys was like, it was very hectic. Yeah. Um, the queen again broke with protocol by bowing to the coffin as it passed, which was a huge deal. Huge. The queen doesn't bow to anybody, y'all. See, that's why I think it's a conspiracy and she was paying her respects and apologies for what her husband had done. It's not a conspiracy. Um, the princes joined the processional at St. James Palace with their father and the Earl Spencer. Uh, originally William had refused to do this. Um, He agreed at the last minute after his grandfather offered to walk with them. Um, There was a lot of concern over the safety of Prince Charles in particular with this walk. But aside from a small incident where someone yelled at him, there were no issues. They were, they interviewed the guy that was like, they had told him you have to stand in this particular position. That way, if somebody shoots from a window, they're going to hit you and not him. Like, Oh my God. That's how serious it was. (laughs) Um, the hymns from the funeral were listed in the paper that morning, so the people watching and gathered in the streets could participate participate in the funeral. During his eulogy, the Earl Spencer really came not only for the press, but the royal family, saying, quote, it is a point to remember that all of the... Uh, all, blah, 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 blah. I can't talk today. Man, he said that? That's yeah. real racy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saying, quote, it is a point to remember that of all the ironies about Diana, perhaps our greatest is this. A girl given the name of the ancient god and goddess of hunting was in the end the most hunted person of the modern age. That's, and then that's incredible he, writing. He vowed to continue her wishes of raising the boys. Quote, and beyond that, on behalf of your mother and sisters, I pledge that we, your blood family... We'll do all we can to continue the imaginative way in which you were steering these two exceptional young men so that their souls are not simply immersed by duty and tradition, but can sing openly as you planned. Um, Parts of his speech were railed as inappropriate. Okay. However, he drew massive applause from the spectators outside the Abbey. Yeah, he did. Um, Diana was buried at her family's estate in Northamptonshire at the Althorpe estate on a small island in the middle of a lake, allowing her the privacy and death that she was not given in life. For all the good and the bad, she did affect change in the royal family. Her children continue her legacy in their own humanitarian efforts. William married Catherine Middleton in 2011, and together they have three children, George, Charlotte, and Louis. Harry married Meghan Markle in 2017, and they have a son, Archie. Prince Charles finally married Camilla Parker Bowles in April of 2005. I have held forever that the reason the queen is not dead is that she is holding on out of spite. So Camilla never rises to power. (laughs) You know, it's really funny because people, especially like Americans don't like Prince Charles. He's not all that hated over there. But the queen, I've always heard, hated Camilla. Like, I've always heard she did not want Camilla. Yeah, it's really interesting because there was a lot of to do when Harry um, and Meghan got married because the queen and Prince uh, Philip did not attend Charles and Camilla's wedding because the queen is the head of the church. Right. And she did not want to 
she didn't think it was appropriate to attend like a divorcee's wedding. Right. So there was a lot of question over whether she would come to Harry and Meghan's wedding, which she did, obviously. But, right. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. Um. But I, I think they're kind of starting to try to rehab his image a lot. Yes. To the rest of the world, because I think. Yes. And I think also he was raised so conservatively. Right. And so he, the way he looks at the world is a lot different than the way, like, his kids do. Right. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. we do have to stop and think that his mother was the the voice of an entire country during a devastating war where mm-hmm. they were specifically targeted. Like, like yeah. London was attacked over and over and beaten, and she had to stick her best face forward. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you have to be a little bit calloused. And she was never supposed to be queen. No, she wasn't. Um, now, whenever I was there. Which may have something to do with why she hates divorcees so much. Right. Because if, you know, that whole thing hadn't happened, then she could have just gone on her merry way and lived her life like a normal person. Right. <laughs> um, so... I sang a concert tour through there my senior year of college. So mm-hmm. 2010. Um, and one of the things they explained to us that I'd never thought about is how the money has her face on it, but that's because she's the reigning monarch. When they mm-hmm. get a new one, they'll print new money. Mm-hmm. It will take that monarch's entire life cycle to retire all of her money because she's been around for so long mm-hmm. that in whoever takes over next in their lifetime, they will not see the end of the Queen Elizabeth pound. Also, I funnily enough, when I was checking out at HEB, a couple things here, when I was checking out at HEB today, I look over and because this is still a story. Oh, yeah. Today in the Globe at the checkout stand at the HEB where I checked out this afternoon. Charles' motive for murdering Diana. Yep. I, so, this I, will always be a story. And also, I just want to say, Charles is going to be the king. Like, they're not going to pass over him. That's not a thing that's going to happen. He's going to be the king. So, everybody, calm down. Do you think he will accept it? I've always, I've always yes. kind of thought he would advocate and pass no, it on. He will not. He, he was raised with the same amount of duty to country as his mother was. He would never. That's fair. Um, so insofar as the conspiracy goes, cause I told you that I was going to talk about just, I'm not going to try to convince you it's a conspiracy. Here's what I will tell you. Not a conspiracy. Hey, first of all, if anyone is interested on all the conspiracy theories, there is a really good podcast by Parcast mm-hmm. that is, um, it's called Conspiracy Theories and it's always a two-parter. The mm-hmm. first episode of each one is the, just the facts. And the second one is the conspiracy theories and they follow all of the evidence and they rate it like in likelihood. Mm -hmm. And some of them are a lot more believable than others. And they have (laughs) done UFOs. They've done like the men in black and they did the alleged murder of princess Diana. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things to me that really do align in a conspiracy in a political assassination. I do not believe that she was pregnant when she died. She wasn't pregnant. I, well, you can say that, but as you did not, you were not there when she peed on a stick or whatever they did then. Um, I mean, that's what you, you say. <laughs> you don't know where I was. Okay, well, maybe you were. I did not realize you were a hand servant to 
Princess Diana when you were seven years old? I was not seven, but thank you. Well, you started at seven. Huh? How old were you? When Princess Diana died? No, when you started there. Oh, when I started. Oh, well, I was like si- seven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see? You wanted to argue with me. <laughs> I thought you meant I was seven when she died, and I was like, man, I wish. No. She's so young. I was nine when she died, so. I was 12, and I remember exactly where I was. Yeah. So, because, in fact, Princess Diana and um, O.J. Simpson mm-hmm. and... Um, JonBenet Ramsey, mm-hmm. the, those are the three media coverage that really got me into following really? the media the way that I do now, yeah. and especially into crime, like the last two, into the mm-hmm. crime stuff that we're into. Um, Speaking of OJ, that crazy ass got Twitter this week. I know. Oh, man. Um, anyway, but Prince Diana, like this whole thing was really influential in the way I kept up with the news, because mm-hmm. it was really like, that was really our first 24-hour news cycle. Yeah. Um. So anyway, but I think there are big indicators that do align very closely with a true political assassination. And I think that there was enough motive. Um, I also do not believe that our governments worldwide do not work more closely together than they let on. So you were like, it would be difficult to get all three governments on board. And I don't think that's the case. I think... I don't think it would be difficult because of logistics. I think it'd be difficult because she had no political power. And you're talking about somebody with murdering somebody with no political power by somebody with no political power. But she, and then, but somehow they're convincing all these world governments to be in on it. But that she makes no had sense a lot me. more political power than like, no, she was not in politics, but she could sway the world's opinion on anything. And so could Oprah. Yeah, but then we got Gail and Stedman to deal with her. Like, the government brought them <laughs> in on purpose. You know, I just think that you're talking about an institutional monarchy. They don't have any political sway. And so there's no there, – people say there's motive. There's no motive there. If they don't it have – It makes no difference. If they don't have any kind of sway – as you are implying or outright said now, um, then why were there riots in the street about them not flying a flag at half mass of Diana's death? They are clearly still viewed as a political I figure. I them an institutional monarchy. They want the institution to do something, but it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make a hill of beans difference in parliament, whether they do something or not. And you don't think parliament's not trying to at least appease the constituents enough to not have another civil war? I don't I th- think this would have caused a civil war. I think this could have caused the end of the institutional monarchy, but I don't think this would have caused a civil war. I think it could have. I don't. Um, I just, I find it all just kind of, and you're talking about Prince Philip who turned 98 this last week. So 20 years ago, he was 70. You're saying an 80 year old man put this all together and nobody was like, grandpa, like, can you not? Didn't you grow up in a Baptist church? Didn't you see what old women do when they're hateful? <laughs> I'm just saying, don't underestimate old I'm people. I'm just saying, church ladies run the world. Look, 
Prince Philip is a crotchety old racist, but I don't think he has the clout to pull this off. I'm sorry. I think Princess Prince Philip could have. Um, All that to say, like, we're never going to convince each other of the other point of view, and that is (laughs) fine. Um, But if anyone is interested in at least understanding the views of all the conspiracy theories, and there are some wild ones, like... There are. Oh, yeah. And, like... um, there, yeah, there's some real wild ones, but the podcast on um, on Princess Diana is really, really good. I actually think that if if this was a murder, it is more likely that it was her family that did it than his. Really? Mm-hmm. See, I have always thought that there, her family was very upset about about the, the Muslim thing, right? Mm-hmm. See, and I always thought that the announcement was not that she was pregnant, but that she was going to. Um, what is the word you when she was she was working to get back together with Khan? yes um i always thought that that was the announcement and that she was going to be bowing out of the pu- public eye like but i don't think she would have announced that she was getting back together with him because they never announced publicly that they had been together in the first place but it was everywhere like people knew everybody knew yeah. right um but it's like uh jamie fox and katie holmes they don't talk about it but everybody knows right um but I just have always thought that that was going to be her big announcement. I never for a second thought it was that she was pregnant. Yeah. And she was, you know, people were like, oh, she was so in love with Fayette. No, she wasn't. She was using him to make her ex-boyfriend jealous. Like, right. <laughs> so. I really want to know where the where the civil lawsuit against him would have gone, like, right. had he lived. <laughs> I, what I want to know. <laughs> I love that it was dropped, like, weeks after he died. Like, why didn't that just dissipate with his death like who are you gonna sue then <laughs> his father well his father's real wealthy, crazy. wealthy yeah and crazy mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so, so that's that yep hey do you remember what we're watching next week no. oh good i, I can look it up you. but it's... i do have a, i have a real royal crime if you want to absolutely i do so here's what i think lifetime could spend their time on besides ridiculous conspiracy theories <sighs> lord lucan have you ever heard of him no uh lord lucan was um a lord obviously <laughs> real quick next week we're doing abducted the jocelyn shaker story excellent your picture just went out are you there are you there god Oh, there it's you are. me, Fiona. Okay, I can see you. Um, so, Lord Lucan, he was once considered for the role of James Bond. Wow. Um, he drove an Aston Martin, da-da-da. He married um, a woman named Veronica Duncan in 1963, um, but they split up in 1972. He was involved in a bitter custody battle for his children, and on the evening of November 7th, 1974, he murdered his children's nanny and attacked his ex-wife. I do know this story. And then he disappeared. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was declared legally dead in 1999. But um, I would love he to see did. this. Well, he probably is now. Now, but. but... <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he just disappeared. Wow. Mm-hmm. I just think that's so interesting. Like, there's a good documentary on, about it on um, Amazon Prime. Did you have a good true crime? I had one in the notes of my old phone. Oh, well, and, not 
They did not. I don't think my notes transferred. We'll see. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. And I'm sorry I couldn't talk today. I've been on the phone like basically all day long. And so. No, it's fine. I slept most of the not day. A, it's not a good idea to do these on days when I have to work. <laughs> I know. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, no, We're learning. I don't have a. I don't have a crime this That's week. Fine. So next week we'll do Jocelyn Shaker. We're back to our normal routine. I kind of like this. We need to do this more often. It was fun. I want to do the other royal movies. Okay. Because I don't want to watch them. I'll watch them. And I, I will want to tell the story. And I will believe them as law, just like this one. <laughs> Look, if you come here in the freaking, I think it's the William and Kate movie where Princess Diana is alluded to as a lion is she really a lion <laughs> does she have a mane is it that yeah. ugly diana shaped wig because that needs to go <laughs> it's the wig <laughs> <laughs> all right well um hey tell people where they can look us up um at lifetime sentence on the instagram at life sentence pod on the twitter you can find our website where we have show notes and stuff, except for last week's. So I apparently didn't upload those. So I'll get those on. Excellent. Um, at life professionals, <laughs> lifetime sentence And you can send us an email at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. And do send us emails and slide into our DMS. Yes, please. We love getting emails. We do. Uh, and, and you can message us on Twitter, on Instagram. I don't care. We read them. We and will answer them you. And we will answer <laughs> you. Um, we are best friends. Shout out to our new friend, uh, your Royal finest. Yes. We, we love, love you. you. And uh, we appreciate you. And we appreciate and also you your Instagram handle is fire. Right. Um, but we appreciate you sharing us with your friends. And yes. so here's our special love to you. Um, and uh, hey, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Oh, my God. Charge your phone. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.